Ralph, thanks very much for joining us. And for those who don't know, uh, maybe just tell us a little bit more about the company and the strategy. So we are the European Science Park Group, ESPG AG. So we are owning 16 properties, uh, around about of which 80% of income comes from science and research um, applications. So our 16 properties include clear science parks, such as a um, early stage clinical trial clinic, uh, where patients go in for up to 14 days to carry out uh, trials that are recognized both by the FDA in America and the European Medical Agency. And life sciences are sort of around about 40% of our uh, rental income. Um, another 30% of income is derived from what we call green technologies or clean tech. So these are industrial applications that are meant to reduce our carbon footprint. Um, examples are the uh, world-leading company that focuses on life um, saving um, air filters. So they started out originally in uh, nuclear power, but nowadays build HEPA filter for large auditoriums, for trains, for offices, um, and you can see really how green technology overlaps and is very similar to life sciences, although we put this down as a green technology because the overarching aim is to reduce emissions to the, the environment. And then a final 20% of income is derived by what we call digital transformation and lifelong learning. So, for example, we have a testing unit that's testing innovative mobile um, emission strategies and technologies seeking to reduce the energy um, and the radioactive impact that is required. So it's quite a wide field in terms of the sciences we have, but um, we sort of feel that's a good mix going forward. And in terms of the investment side, Ralph, um, we've seen science and technology rising in terms of the investors' wish list. Um, but are you seeing that? beginning to come through in terms of institutional capital looking at the sector? So we do see obviously huge levels of interest to anything to do with biopharma, biotech um, and life sciences in general. There are a few market entrants. Um, I won't drop any names, but obviously they are there. However, the uh, supply of life science assets is stronger than the additional investor demand, I would have thought. And the real bottleneck is actually that demand from the tenants, from the users, is still outstripping supply of suitable specialist buildings. Um, and that's why converting existing buildings to life sciences and science parks is still going to be the main dominating theme going forward, especially given all the difficulties we have in the building supply chain at the moment. And across our news lines, Ralph, we, we've seen a growing focus on science parks, particularly uh, moving into city centres, urban areas. Um, is that a trend that you're also seeing across your portfolio? I mean, it's part of uh, our investment thesis that our park should be located close to university or a research hub. And that's the case in literally all of our parks. And when I say close to, I do mean literally in town. So this model, which you might have had in America in the early days and in the sort of Oxford, Cambridge um, area in the UK, where we're looking at out of town assets, which you have to drive to and then you spend your time there. That model has really been um, uh, sort of complemented by inner city um, science parks or edge of town science parks and that is really logical because um, I recently went to Boston where obviously the sort of epicenter is um, and areas like Kendall Square which is the where it all started completely integrated in the urban fabric literally wedged between Boston um, downtown and Cambridge and MIT itself so in a way we are going back to or Europe is going back to where America always was.
As always, really interesting to catch up, Ralph. And I think that the science and technology area um, is going to see significant growth, um, particularly from the real estate side as well. So thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Richard.